rack and yak. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. Saturday Suckage on Thursday, just like the NFL's Monday Night Football on Thursday, Dallas Cowboys. I wasn't kidding about Terrell Owens, 49-year-old Terrell Owens. is talking about coming back to play for the Cowboys. Doesn't he talk about that every year? Yes, he does. Yeah. And that's why he would be doing karaoke. That's in my Pro Bowl idea. He Down and the with quarterbacks that. and wide receivers will be doing that. We are doing, we are bringing Saturday Suckage's near award-winning segment, What Mark Heard, to drive time, prime time, right here on The Score. Rosenblum and Grody in for Mully and Haw. What Mark Heard, Mark, what'd you hear? It was really good to hear Tevin Jenkins, Bears offensive lineman, speaking at Hallis Hall yesterday after the very dangerous-looking neck injury that he had endured a couple of weeks ago. Here's Tevin. Uh, I feel pretty good. I mean, uh, what happened in the game, you know, that could have been a lot worse than it was. And, I mean, a lot of things had to happen because it's precautionary because I had neck, neck pain going on. But um, ultimately, right now, I'm feeling a lot better than when it happened. Tevin, you see, if you watch football, you see scenes like that in a game where somebody's down and the whole team's come out. Things like that. Did, you, did you ever think that would be you? Uh, never. I never imagined myself to be injured like that, and especially uh, getting called off at all any time. Anytime I can, I really try to get off the field if I'm, like, hurt or injured. And, I mean, that was one of those instances where they tried to, they told me to stay down because it was a neck injury. They had to keep it, like, stable and everything. How scary was that? Uh, very, because I never uh, never imagined myself like that. But uh, I get to, I did get to see how many, like, uh, ceilings that day. I mean, it was just the whole the whole day I was just up on the field. I was just looking at the whole time. So it was, so it was a fun, like, experience. So. When did that day did you know you were okay? Or maybe the next day when you knew you were going to be all right? Uh... I would say probably around like uh, three, four o'clock ish that day because I was talking to all the doctors and getting all my scans, getting all my tests, and then they let me get into like a softer collar and like let me try to get my mobility, my neck back, and uh, basically try to see if I can act normal and all that. Does something like this make you like reevaluate playing football at all? Uh, never, never. I mean, this is part of my job. I mean, I love football, and that's just uh, part of it. When everybody went out to the middle of the field when he was down and not moving and it didn't, I couldn't see him responding and I'm on the sideline and it's very difficult to see what's going once that many people, doctors, players are surrounding him. And as you realize it was getting more and more serious, all I wanted to know at that moment is if he was communicating with anybody, mm-hmm. if he was talking to and responding to doctors, and I couldn't tell. And one of the players that was over there came back, one a, a starter on offense for the Bears, and I asked the starter, I said, hey, is is he talking? <laughs> and, and he said, yes. He yes. And I was like, okay. I mean, that, that was the part that – that's what I wanted to know because it looked severe – and then they take him off the field, and I, and as he's coming, I, I mean, I have the advantage of being on the sideline to literally be within feet of Tevin Jenkins as he is being carted off, and and then I'm looking for looking at his eyes. His eyes are closed, and I'm waiting for the the thumbs up that so many players do when they get carted off, and it's a serious situation. And I didn't see that from him, so I thought this was a severe situation. And then I talked to Tevin Jenkins before the game, the Buffalo game, and he said that he was. 
talking about possibly playing in the Buffalo game mm-hmm. and that he told me he would definitely be playing in the next game. And it sounds like he wasn't lying. He wasn't kidding the way he was talking to reporters yesterday. So that was just really good to hear come full circle with, with Tevin Jenkins after seeing something like that as I did close up and everybody got to see it on television as well. I have a question and I, I don't know the answer. It's not rhetorical. It's fading memory, bad memory. Have you ever seen a really good offensive lineman with this much early drama and theatrics and questions and crap? He's not been available. And I mean, there's as been John some... Fox said the best player's best ability is availability. Unfortunately, we've seen some. What we have seen is some serious busts of guys that were drafted around him or near him with the Bears, like Chris Williams, like Mark Colombo, like Gabe Karimi. We've seen a lot of that. But, yeah, never a guy who, as you like to say, came pre-injured, uh-huh. even though they said it was a different injury, in terms of that. And then I didn't – honestly, I didn't expect the drama with Tevin Jenkins. I understood that with a new regime could come different loyalties – for sure. I mean, you had to take that into account. But the de- the heavy-duty demoting of Tevin Jenkins in the OTAs and inserting Braxton Jones and watching in the Walter Payton Center, and you know, that OTA and all of us sitting there, well, yo, what's going on here? And Tevin Jenkins just keeps falling further and further back on the depth chart. And then the reports uh, on NFL Network of him wanting to be traded and then the injury that he had and everything and the bears not liking him playing tackle and i still don't know what not even tom thayer could answer the question of what it was they did not like about him at tackle that that was a essentially a non-starter and then to see him thrive at guard so no i've never seen that we've seen bad things out of high offensive lineman <laughs> yes, picks with have. the bears and I, I think i did a pretty good job i don't know if i'm missing stan thomas yeah i was missing somebody stan there thomas. you go yeah. there's another bust of a first round offensive but nothing like this and there's still a story to be told maybe not as much from tevin jenkins side because he's pretty transparent but from the bears side there's still a story to be told about tevin jenkins and what was going on and what they don't see in him Part of the story is this. Brad Biggs, in uh, one of his mailboxes, he he had answered the question about um, Tevin Jenkins and what you could expect of him. And he noted that he's played 100% of his offensive snaps in only six of his 12 career starts. Compared with Cody Whitehair, was on the field for every offensive snap in 100 of his 105 career starts. There's a difference. Pro football focus. I, I talked about this a couple Saturdays ago. Graded Tevin Jenkins as the best Bears offensive lineman this year. Best offensive lineman. Pretty amazing. He graded out as a 77 when 80 is, if you're into OPS, that 900, that's 80 in PFF's grading of players. OPP. OP, often, no. I'm, I'm down with I'm, OPP. Not OPP. <laughs> okay. OPS. On base percentage plus slugging. Oh, no, no, OPS, you're right. 900 you're right. or more. You say is you're great. into OPS, I'm into OPP. Everybody's OPP. into something, okay? All right. Well, I'm getting into LSD because it's worked so well for Aaron Rodgers. But Pro Football Focus, PFF, 
had his version of OPS, and he graded out at 77. That's almost at the at the 80 level of greatness, and that's Tevin Jenkins. So I'm asking the question. I'm kind of kneecapping it at the same time. I don't. I don't want my offensive linemen this notable. Sorry, I don't. I want you to be Tom Thayer and Jay Hogenberg and Keith Van Horn and Mark Boritz and Jimbo Covert. Shut up and block. And that's what they did. They stayed healthy. They blocked. They went forward. They did everything you needed. For five years, they were the reason the Bears' defense was so great is they held on to the ball. They blocked. They ran. They protected the quarterback as much as you could protect a linebacker or a quarterback like McMahon. But he has been such a show and so many questions. And so and, – and it shouldn't be like this. And he's been their best offensive lineman, according to Pro Football Focus. Somebody put down Reuben Brown as an example of a bust of a Bears offensive lineman. No. No, at least I think that's what the texture means. And from the 217, did oh, Hawk – Oh, he was terrific. He was really good. Did Hawk Grody go down to check on him? <laughs> Kind of did. <laughs> this is personal. Kind of is. No, I was, I was there. I did was. You, you tell Joniak, you take over. I'm yeah. <laughs> I got it. I took the headphones off. I went into the locker room and uh, just just sort of patted him down with a towel. That's what I was doing. Just just dabbing his that face gently. Well, it's okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, this is what Mark heard in, in no particular order with these things, but I heard something yesterday on the score, which I thought was fantastic. Gabe Ramirez and Mark Schanowski were manning the afternoon show of Parkins and Spiegel. And Mark Schanowski told a great story about a young Stacy King at the basketball camps before he was drafted by the Chicago Bulls. The, the, one, of the, one of the greatest stories he told on the podcast was when he came in for his workout. You know, he was All-American player yeah. at... Uh, Oklahoma, yeah. he was one of the leading scorers in the country, and he was really in the running for the first pick in the draft that year. Only person that could stop him was Phil Jackson. That's what he said. <laughs> he said 89, 89 draft, and he thought he might be going to Sacramento number one. They took Purvis Ellison instead. So he was available to the Bulls at six, but in his workout, you know, it's not, it wasn't like it is now where you just come in and they measure you and they weigh you and they interview you and take you out to dinner. You had to really prove yourself. They wanted to see what kind of player you were. So they had him doing this this uh, this really intense physical workout in the post where guys were banging on him and stuff. And and one of the guys that banging on him was a was a older guy with a grayish beard. And Stacy thought it was Dave Corzine who had just wrapped up his career with the Bulls. Yeah. You know, Dave at the end of his yeah. career uh, was 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 showing a little gray. And so he thought they brought Dave Corzine into muscle muscle him out, uh, around a little bit. So so you know he was like Stacy's like you know. Uh, I'm, I'm potentially the first pick in the draft. I don't want to get knocked around by a hat that used to be NBA player. So, you know, the guy's banging him and banging him, and Stacy's getting more angry. And finally, he hauled off and hit the guy with an elbow to the neck and knocked him on the ground. And, and, and you know, he goes, take that, Corzine. Stop, stop bodying me, Corzine. I don't need any of this stuff. So he goes back into the locker room. Doug Collins was the coach at the time. And he goes, he goes why'd you bring uh, Corzine in to rough me up? He goes, Doug Collins says, that wasn't Dave Corzine. That was my assistant coach, Phil Jackson. Oh, So it was Phil Jackson was the one who was giving Stacy the business, and Stacy hit him with an elbow to the throat. Oh. And then, of course, after Stacy was drafted, Doug Collins moved on, and Phil Jackson became the head coach. And he never so, forgot that. Yeah. So, so when Stacy looks at his career with the Bulls, and sometimes his playing time was a little bit of erratic, That's Phil's like, yeah, you're the guy who hit me in the neck with an elbow.
And as Stacey King always famously says, Rosie, it, only Phil Jackson limited me in my career. So maybe, maybe we just found something via Mark Shanowski of the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast on Odyssey as to why Stacey King's career with the Bulls never really got to where it should have been. I had never heard that story. I, neither and, had I. And how is Stacy not told that anywhere before that? Because Stacy loves talking and he has great stories. And whatever you thought his career should be, he won three rings. Burger King was here for three rings. And he was, he went on to, when he played for other teams, I remember talking to him afterwards and just, he was, suddenly he was the guy who was a veteran. He'd won. He played on that team. He certainly saw Michael Jordan up close, and there was much to be, much brain to be picked about that. But the idea that he elbowed, that why Phil talk like that. Yeah, I love that. Oh, it's so good. I love that story. That is wonderful that he elbowed. I thought you were going to tell me Bill Cartwright or or Bill Russell, like a guy with a beard, and and he's doing that to Bill Russell, one of the all time greats. I didn't know where that story was going either. Yeah. I mean, I figured you you could figure out by the context and the way the story was being told, that it wasn't going to end up being Dave Corzine, but I did not expect it to be Phil Jackson. But Phil was kind of a nobody back then. And uh, man, it just and then it just made me think again about the whole Doug Collins. Is he one of the more sympathetic characters in Bulls history, Doug Collins? Because he's the guy that had the 90s Bulls taken away from him. Those six rings could have been Doug Collins. Got to ask yourself the question. Could he have gotten him to point C? Well... Maybe not. I mean, because he did have that, I don't know, self-destructive is the right way to term Doug Collins, but there was something about him that was going to get overworked or exhausted, whether he would have exhausted himself or the team. And you could see the way he danced around the NBA, too, that he would leave his mark but then head on to the next. You know who Doug was? <clears throat> yeah. We've seen a version of it. Mm-hmm. Buck Walter. I was going to say the, the, the ex-Blackhawks uh, coach, the great uh, Mike Keenan. Well, Keenan actually won. Keenan won a Stanley Cup with the Rangers. But I mean, I meant the the way he bounced around a lot and sort of got teams to a point. But he wore his. I mean, he he. If Grand Fear doesn't get hurt, they probably beat Detroit in, and they go on to win. The team with Gretzky, the Blues team with Gretzky and Hall, they probably win the Stanley Cup. Charlie's best friend, yeah. At at yeah, that's right. But the 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 Buck Show. I called him. I'm said Buck Show Walter because. They would get a team ready to go. Doug's teams improved. Michael Jordan wanted Doug to coach the Wizards. He's like, yeah. I know you can turn this around. Yeah. But he knew he was only getting him to a certain point. And Buck Showalter was the guy. Joe Torre won all those World Series yeah. with the team Buck Showalter. And Bob Brenly won a World Series. Buck Showalter was the first manager of the Diamondbacks. It's like, thank you, I'll take that. It's like, yeah, there's all sorts of examples of that, right, in sports where – but Doug was Doug was a quality defensive coach. Yeah. But he was so into too much. it. So I got worn out watching Doug coach, sweating through his suits in the first quarter. Yeah. And and can you imagine being in practices in locker rooms? I know they want intense. You want focus. You want your players to to respond and go and be it. But watching Doug. I don't know, maybe the, the players who weren't standing around watching Jordan were standing around watching Doug going, oh, my God, what is with him? <laughs> a Collins is Larry Brown. That definitely cut from the same cloth. Larry Brown won. That's the thing. That is Doug the difference. never won. Buck Showalter never won. Larry Brown won with the most any beat Phil, beat Phil Jackson. 
Bill Cartwright. Uh, Stacy King did the best Bill Cartwright impersonation ever. Yes. Top texture. I remember him doing it at, at the parades. Yes. Yeah, Bill Cartwright. He did. Um, and then Bill got himself fixed. All right, let's move on here. Fixed? I'm did sorry. Hmm? Oh, fixed, fixed? Fixed. The Bulls last night beat the Bucks 119 to 113 in overtime. It was an incredible game. The Bulls trailed by 15 early in the fourth. They were down 11 with less than three minutes to go. DeMar DeRozan put on a show. He had 42 points, 10 of those in overtime. The defensive play of the game steals the inbound pass, uh, pass from Antetokounmpo. Inbound pants? <laughs> Are they, Just like Mark those? Greedy. You have inbound pants and outbound pants. And Mark Greedy. Uh, and then hits I.O. for the basket. So just some of the highlights from the game. But there was, unfortunately... There was a another moment in this game centering on Grayson Allen, and Grayson Allen gave an unnecessary elbow to DeMar DeRozan, even though he had been fouled by Patrick Williams. He, he allowed his momentum to carry himself into DeRozan unnecessarily, had the forearm up, so it was a chaotic, crazy moment at the United Center. And I am very sorry, and I'll explain why in a second. I am very sorry that Adam Amin had to go on this rant along with Stacey King. Why people have a problem with Grayson Allen. Let me tell you something. Somebody needs to give him a two-piece. I guarantee he'll stop doing that. Somebody pop him upside his head a couple times. He'll stop doing that because he's getting away with this too much. Constantly. He does this all the time. And look at his teammates. They know what's going on. They know what's going on. He's got a history. The, what he did to Alex Caruso last year was, a dirty, was dirty, and it turned the bull. You can it, apologize yeah. for it as often as you want. You can send and a card. I don't, I don't doubt yes. that, that there is some remorse in that guy for it. But Man, why it do you none. keep doing things There's no remorse. over He's been and doing over it. and over? He's been doing it since Duke. Since Duke. He had He's four different it. incidents at Duke. Watch this. He's had multiple incidents in the NBA. See, look, boom. And he just add that is completely unnecessary. And he's trying to say he got pushed. He, I, I don't doubt that he got pushed. There's no, there, there's no reason to add that. Just because you got pushed doesn't give you carte blanche to do that. And that's right. why it's frustrating tell you. to watch a talented right, player like Grayson Allen keep getting involved in stupid, he, dumb, he, dirty moments. Let me tell you something. Until somebody, until one of these players, he runs across the wrong player. He's going to keep doing it until he gets a forearm chip to his somebody, face. somebody gives him a two-piece with a, with a biscuit Stacey, and fantasy, Stacey, he'll you know, stop doing it. You know that I rarely get upset about these things because I know it's a physical game. I didn't play it. I don't know what it's like in the heat of the moment. But when you have this happen eight or nine times between college and the NBA over the last seven years, what more are people going to think of you? Well, and then to go back to last year, what he did to, to Alex Crusoe, he's on the bench laughing, giving high fives. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm listen, the NBA has got to do something. His reputation is as a dirty player. The problem with all of this and everything they said was great. I think that Adam Amin and Stacey King on NBC Sports Chicago last night satiated and gave every Bulls fan what they needed in that moment. They needed to. They needed somebody. It was good therapy to be angry. It was like Doug Buffon esque, not to the level of Doug Buffon, but it's you needed that so you didn't have to go crazy. But 
it none of it matters, and it's why I can't work up to. I'm trying not to work up too much anger because Grayson Allen does not give a crap. Doesn't give a crap. They didn't even call a foul on him in that play. Grayson Allen doesn't care, and Grayson Allen is winning. He, they mentioned the play last year with Caruso. They won because the Bulls didn't have Caruso, and guess who killed you in the playoffs last year? Grayson freaking Allen. Guess who was making threes after that play? Guess which team grabbed the momentum after the Grayson Allen play last night? Grayson Allen. The Bucks are winning this battle. Grayson Allen is beating the Bulls. There's very little you can do about it. Now, the win was sweet, but Grayson Allen is in the Bulls' heads, and he doesn't care. So guess who's winning? Grayson Allen. Well, the Bulls won, not Grayson Allen. That's right. There you go. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Take that. You want to hear what DeMar DeRozan had to say about the whole thing? I will hear about that after we take this break. Ah. We are two-parter. We are or two parter of our near award winning segment of gonna, what Mark heard. You can ask me if I have time. You can ask me if I have time to stick around. Do you have like time to is, stick? Can you stick around for one more segment? I Mark? don't know. Actually, it's well, starting to get light out outside, and I feel like hanging out. All right. Well, we'll okay. find out whether Mark sticks around for okay. what Mark heard. Chicago Sports Radio six seventy score. Welcome in. Welcome back. Thank I'm you. Steve Rosenblum, and you are smooth, cool jazz. Mark Grudy, who are you now? I called myself Grudy, Grudy earlier. Grudy. Yes, Grudy. But you were right in the Eddie Vedder thing. You're All right. Mark you. Grudy, WBBM. All right. Hey, man. We're in for Molly and Haw. Oh, you're Mark Grudy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm Mark Grudy. You're Eddie Vedder. Don't worry about me. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that story? <laughs> <laughs> It's a 10-second story. Not this hour. Eddie Vedder comes into the Cubs radio booth in whatever year it was. I was there from 15 to 18, and he's just sitting there quietly. He loves Pat and Ron. You know, he listens in Seattle. He listens yeah. to all the Cubs games. He listens to all of us, and he looks – I did like a scoreboard update, and I said, oh, Mark Grody, here's Pat Hughes. Eddie Vedder turns around, looks back at me, and goes, oh, you Mark Grody. <laughs> Putting the name with the face. Yeah. I'm like, yes. Right. He didn't remember you from going up and <clears throat> introducing no. yourself. Marguerite. That was like 10 w- years earlier, the WBBM story. But oh, he would right. remember the guy who wanted to hear alive as you wanted to add to his set list. Yeah. Yeah. That Unfortunately, he did not remember that interaction, even though it was rather intimate because it was in the Cubs cafeteria, which is very small. Yeah. Or was. I don't know if they've redone it. Whatever they do. All right. So we're right. back with part two. Second, So as you can hear, Mark decided to stick around for the second segment of what Mark heard. I am Which still here. Very lucky for us. I am still here, and we are still talking about the Bulls. You were there. I was there. The Bulls beat the Bucks 119-113 in overtime. And the the Grayson Allen, another Grayson Allen dirty play. This time, I wanted to hear the Chuck Swirsky version of it right here on 670, the score. And then right after that, we will hear DeMar DeRozan's reaction to it. So you get a two-for-one right here on what Mark Hurt. Allen against Patrick Williams. Williams all over Grayson Allen with a hard left-hand dribble drive and a crossover. Five on the clock. Matthews Ooh. has to hurry. And we have DeRozan charging to Grayson Allen on the left wing after Allen fouled. DeRozan 
And now the coaches have run on the floor, separating the two combatants. And DeMar is hot, Bill. Grayson Allen is, is claiming he got pushed in, but Grayson Allen used the little bump behind him to flop into DeMar. They're going to go over to the scorer's table and sort it out. Uh, they absolutely are. Grayson Allen gets away with a cheap shot. What was your perspective on what happened with you with Grayson Allen? Uh, I don't know. I just felt the hit. Um, just felt like I went across the middle in the football game and tried to catch a slot slot route and got hit. That's all it was. What was your perspective on what happened with you with Grayson Allen? Uh, I don't know. I just felt the hit. Um, just felt like I went across the middle in the football game and tried to catch a slot slot route and got hit. Love the analogy right there at the end from from Demar Derozan. The thing is, is everybody knows the reputation of Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen's teammates know the reputation of Grayson Allen and probably don't approve of a lot of things that he does. I think that's why it didn't really even escalate, and the Milwaukee players were more interested in just let's let's just get on with it here. So, but again, there's nothing you could do about it. Grayson Allen wins. He loves this, and it it ended with Demar Derozan, the the man assaulted, scoring 42 points, including. 10 in overtime after he made a key steal of a Grayson Allen pass. No, a pass intended for Grayson Allen. Right? Right. Did I get that wrong? It was Intentacupo who who botched the the inbounds pass, correct? Why am I so confused? I think it was. Right? Yeah. I am 99.9% sure that it was. Because then on the next inbounds, they're like, you know what? We don't need you to do that. You're, You're really good, Giannis. We don't want you to do the next pass. Right. So I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah. Right. And it was supposed to go back to Giannis. So anyway, so there, there's that. And then the pass to I.O. for the dunk that tied the game. And they go to overtime. And DeMar does that. So that was one of the options. The other one was they could have low-bridged Grayson Allen at some point in time. Or committed a hard foul and drawn blood. Or <clears throat> the Bulls really wanted to make a point. They could have drawn blood on a hard with a hard foul on Giannis. And then said... That's what happens. Where's Derek it's Jones Jr.? It's the Chicago Jr. way, Mark. Yeah. I want you to yeah. know. It's a, if they put one of yours in the hospital, you put one of theirs in the morgue. Oh, yeah. If they bring a knife, you draw a gun. It's the Chicago way. Goosebumps. That's what When do the Bulls play Milwaukee next? And when, Right and now, will, in and the will, alley. And will Derek Jones Jr. be the one providing the revenge as he did last year? Before Grayson Allen killed the Bulls in the playoffs. <laughs> That's mean. That just we'll ask we'll hey, ask Casey Johnson. Deep down He'll inside hey, the hour. Bulls fans, deep down inside, I know you hate Grayson Allen. But it's entertaining as hell, isn't it? To have well, a yesterday villain. was because they came they back won and the won. Right. Would nothing would have been nothing entertaining Some, about if they if they had not come back uh, from the fifteen uh, point deficit. I guess, but we'd be talking about it, that's for sure. So all right, final cut here on what Mark heard is Justin Fields, the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And, yo, two games to go. What are we doing here in these games? The last two games of a 3-12 and season in the NFL can be really dread, dreadful. But with the progress you've made and, and kind of the hope for the future, is your excitement or maybe anticipation, a better word, for the, these last two games any different or any more than – 
normal, you know what I'm saying? Do you feel like there's something to play for and something for you to accomplish? I mean, I feel like there's there's always something to play for, no matter if, you know, we're 0-15 right now or 3-12 or, you know, 12-3. and You know, my outlook on this game this weekend the and today's practice is just getting better, growing and learning. So especially it's always good when we get to go up against a divisional opponent and, you know, just, just playing them and kind of getting used to that, you know, playing them and the, the, the atmosphere this weekend should be a pretty good atmosphere. So I know the guys are excited for that. But, yeah, anytime you get to play a game and it's just a learning opportunity and an opportunity for, you know, you to, you know, ball out and really just do what you love. So, You're yeah. not wore out, you know what I'm saying? You're not fighting that, are you, you know, that mental fatigue or whatever? No, no I mean, I'm, I'm excited to go and I'm blessed. So, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I'd really say I have the best job in the world, you know, just getting to do what I love each and every day and, you know, going to play a sport. Yeah, see, Justin Fields gets it, unlike Steve Rosenblum. He realizes that there are still things to accomplish, and if they win along the way in that process, then so what? If if he's getting two-minute drill drives and gold zone drives and the things that he really needs to accomplish in these last two games, who cares if, if, they, if they win? But I don't know. You, you, just, you just don't get it, Rosenblum. No, I get it. The draft pick. Getting Justin Fields' help is affected by the super- – the the nonsense of winning a game, the nonsense. Yeah, the of nonsense. Of, you know what? I'm all for the hero drives. I want to see three. Okay. of Okay. I want to see three of them all next year. We're kind of in the in the same place then, I suppose. And here here's the thing. It's I work. want him to get those things that make this I, I, team better. I know. I know. It, and, and in these eight straight losses, it's been a perfect world. It's crazy to think that the last time the Bears won a game was the Patriots game because there are so many games that have felt like wins development-wise because of what Justin Fields that, has done. And they've right? lost all these games. So it's, it actually and does that work was, out well. That was the – wow. I hadn't thought of that, but that was the breakout game. That was when Luke Getzey woke up and said, hey, we have a quarterback who can run. Yeah. Right? Right. It's – I don't know it's why. The, Maybe next time they interview an offensive coordinator candidate, they could ask him if they know anything about the quarterback that he'll be coaching and see, like, if he says he can run, then maybe you won't geez. wait until eight games into the season <laughs> to have him run. Well, at least they figured it out. At least they figured it out. A few uh, text messages here responding to, to what Mark heard and, and whatnot. Groats, I watched the replay. I'm annoyed with Andre Drummond. Because he was on the court and he should have given Allen the two-piece. What is a two-piece anyway? I understand from the context that it's something violent, I'm guessing. But I what is assumed two-piece? it would be a right fist and a left fist. Oh, okay. But with Stacy, if you listen to that one of the second or third times, when, one of the times he mentions that two-piece, he mentions it comes with a biscuit. He does. Somewhere in there, right, Brandon? Right? He mentions a biscuit. A biscuit and a Fanta. And a Fanta, <laughs> that's right. But it always comes back to food with Stacy, which is why his nickname is Burger King. Oh, my God. Um, Mark, what is the best Pearl Jam record, and why is it Yield? It's all of them. I can't do – I've tried <laughs> – all of them. No, no, seriously, I've tried to do my favorite, like, ten songs. It, it's uh, Music is so based on mood and moment and circumstance. Yield is a great, great album for sure. But I'm not one of these people either who dogs like ten because it's so commercial. It's a, it's a fantastic out. Versus is great, I and mean, they're all Vitalogy is absolutely wonderful. But yeah, I mean, I do love Yield. But it, it's really when it, when it's your favorite. Everybody knows if you're you're a Rolling Stones guy. Could you? Would it be 
could you put together your favorite album or your favorite songs by the Rolling Stones? Say favorite songs, yeah. They're all all of the whatever hit they're the forty licks. They're all from <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah. So that's it. They're all and what but the order could change. Yeah. I, I understand that. And and you're right. The the mood, the or the um the history it recalls. Right? So yeah. I, I I'm okay. I'm with you on that. I, and you don't there's no benefit to naming number one. You the reason you make a list in our business is to start an argument. That's the only reason. Oh, absolutely! Make a list. I, I did that. I don't need to start an argument about my favorite Stone song. <laughs> I don't. Stone. They're mine. Yeah. See what the uh, eight four seven. The Eddie Vedder story isn't as funny as Grody making small talk with Scotty Pippen. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh wait. yeah. I can do this story quickly because I know we gotta. You don't have to do it quickly. You can okay. Take, take so it. so this is um, twenty sixteen. I think Cubs booth. It's a World Series game. Scotty Pippen is doing the stretch, and so he's hanging out in our booth. And sometimes there are guys like Eddie Vedder. Scotty Pippen just felt like hanging out in the Cubs booth before he did it, like for a couple innings. And so the way it was when I was there, I know they've expanded the booth since I have left. I'm you know second row of of the the radio booth, and there's Scotty Pippen sitting right to my left, just sitting on the staircase. You know, with his long Scotty oh. Pippen legs, so he's just with he's, his long Scotty yeah, Pippen legs, just sitting there. He got those for Christmas. Just being Scotty Pippen, and I, you know, I, most of my interactions with Scotty Pippen right. have not been interactions. They've been me as a fan watching games in the '90s and every social circumstance centered around the '90s Bulls. Hell, a a Wednesday game against the Washington Bullets back then was like an occasion to go out. So, so this is just a man. Pippen and Jordan, all those guys who just provided entertainment for me. So when I saw Scottie Pippen sitting there, when, when I was the, the key moment for me in Scottie Pippen's playing career was the first championship run where they switched Scottie Pippen onto Magic Johnson, which made all of the difference in that series. And the Bulls went on to dominate the Lakers in 91 and win their first title of six. And so, so I'm trying to think about what to talk about. We'd, we'd made a little small talk. And, uh, I, I honestly, I wasn't trying to do the Chris Farley thing, but I sort of did. And I, I just, I go, I literally said to Scotty Pippen, you know, after like, it's a break. I take the headphones off and he's just sitting there and I go, Hey, um, do you remember when Phil Jackson or whoever it was that actually, it was a Johnny Bach that actually gets the credit for the switching of, of Scotty Pippen on, I, I don't know, but I go. Do you remember when when they did that in that championship series where they put you no. on? <laughs> yeah, did I did. Really? I, and no, but this is great. Scotty Pippen, big Scotty Pippen smile. You know the one uh-huh. that big. His whole you see all his teeth. He smiles, and he goes. He, he looks at me. He goes, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Oh, he yeah. goes, oh, yeah. And I just started laughing. I go, I go, that was awesome, man. It's like magic just couldn't do anything against you. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. So that, that you was. Did do, you did I the whole did Chris Farley thing. I did it. I yeah. did it because I couldn't think of a better circumstance. He's up there. Pippen probably had a couple of brews. Get ready. To, it's the World Series. Everything feels right. Here's a champion sitting here. And all I wanted to know was about magic. Magic Johnson. Johnson. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Went- but it's it's best just to think of Scotty Pippen. His eyes light up, his teeth are tingling, shining. And he's like, Oh yeah. 
beautiful moment. Well, at least you got a smile out of him because when I remember that, it's Chris Farley tell, talking to Paul McCartney. Remember when you were in the Beatles, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, right. yeah. That was, that was awesome. That was tired. Do you remember when you walked out of the glass and your feet got all bloody? Yeah, that was awesome. Well, he's Mark Rody. I've had my and, moments. And I'm Steve Rosenblum. We'll take a break. When we come back, get your pencils ready, and we have some numbers. Nick Costos. Oh really? Has a, yeah, it's alive. Yeah. Chicago Sports okay. Radio six seventy the score. I want winners. On the line with us now at WSCR, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score, Steve Rosenblum and Mark Rohde in for Mullion Hall. On the line with us now is the host of You Better You Bet and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Nick Costos. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to listen to the You Better You Bet podcast for more of Nick Costos' analysis. Just search You Bet wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome in, Nick. How are you? Steve and Mark, what's going on, guys? Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. Profitable holidays to you. Do the holidays present any kind of particular profit opportunity in a particular place? Is there something uncovered, something not talked about that has to do around the holidays? Um, around the holidays, no. I would just say like there's a lot of sports going on, which is really great. Like loaded NFL weekend this weekend. I think we've got s- some edges potentially on the board in the NFL. Um, NBA night tonight always presents opportunity with players being out. Great performance by the Bulls last night, by the way. We talked <laughs> about that yesterday on the show. Down 11 with three minutes to go. It didn't look great, but DeMar DeRozan and company force overtime. So I don't know if there's anything like special going on around the holidays, but a lot of sports to bet, and maybe we can hopefully find some edges along the way. Yeah, I'll, I'll stay with the NBA here for a second because, yeah, DeMar DeRozan, Rosen was awesome last night, and then a mighty double-double, near triple-double from Giannis Antetokounmpo, who uh, last night ended up with uh, 48 points in the game and was just terrific. Is Where, where does he stand for for uh, MVP? And then obviously we had a, a mighty triple-double from Luka Doncic the other night, too. It probably puts him in the in the picture right now. Yeah, it's a, it is a an extremely fascinating race for NBA MVP. We did a lot of this on the show yesterday, so we'll give you a quick answer here if people want the long form, just search You Bet wherever you find your podcast. We did like a segment and a half on this because it's incredibly interesting. Right now for MVP, there's a sinister six atop the board. I'm a Spider-Man fan, so there you go. It's Tatum, Luka, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, and Durant, and then draw a line and you go down to like John Morant, Donovan Mitchell from there. But it's really going to be one of those six candidates that win. And out of those six candidates, I think the two most likely are Luka and Jokic. Like Giannis already has two MVPs. He's probably only going to play in 65 games. Giannis doesn't care about MVP. He's past that phase of his career, right? Where he wants to win a championship. Like that's going to be his goal. That's the goal of the Bucks. No holiday in the game last night. Like Milwaukee doesn't care about these games. They care about winning an NBA championship. I think Giannis is a bad bet. Tatum might win, but you need the Celtics to win like 60 plus games in order for that to happen. The Celtics might not win the Atlantic division. Like the Nets might win the division. The Sixers might come back and win the division. That's why Embiid, I think, is like you should have some money on Joel Embiid. But I think it's going to come down to Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic, who both dominate 
box scores and advanced analytics, and people can poo-poo the analytics guys, but that's like that's how a lot of like the new age voters vote, right? That's how Jokic has won the last two MVPs, and Luka and Jokic absolutely dominate. Now, where Jokic has the edge is the Nuggets like are currently the one seed in the Western Conference and like might finish as the two or the three, whereas the Mavericks aren't very good, and Luka has the great individual performances. You mentioned the 60-point triple-double the other night. Um, I would give Jokic the edge, actually, here. Now, the way Jokic doesn't win is if voters want to be gatekeepers, and we know that that's the case in a lot of sports, and say, hey, this guy can't win three in a row. Jordan never did. Kobe never did. LeBron never did. So we're going to give it to someone else, in which case it would be Luka. But I think it's going to be either Luka Doncic or Nikola Jokic winning MVP at season's end. And just to correct myself, Steve, Giannis, 45 points last night, 22 rebounds and seven assists. So we have the Bears insisting on completing the season, and they'll play Detroit. I know maybe they'll vote and not play against Minnesota, but they're going to play Detroit this week, Nick. So how do you dope that out? Yeah, I would say uh, we'll we'll see what happens against we'll see what happens with Houston this weekend, and if the Bears could get the number one overall pick in the draft, that might impact Eberflus and Poles' plans for Week 18 against the Minnesota Vikings. So we'll see what happens. But as far as the game goes this week, Eberflus and company telling you they're going to try and win, and Justin Fields is going to play in this game. The current point spread guys at BetMGM, the Lions are a six point favorite, super high total of 52 with two bad defenses and two offenses that should be able to score. For me, the only bet on this game, Bears fans will like this. I think I would only bet Chicago in this game with the number being at six. I do think the Lions should be favored. They should be favored by more than three. Once we get up into this range though, this is where I would kind of draw the line a little bit and say like, I think it's a little too much. Where Fields is such a singular talent offensively, and the Lions defense is absolutely atrocious. I mean, allowed over 300 rushing yards last week to the Panthers. Or why can't Fields have a monster rushing game? Montgomery, Herbert, and company here. So Bears plus six would be my look in this game on the road in Detroit. I already can't wait for the Monday night game, and that is the Bills at the Bengals. How are you looking at this a terrific quarterback matchup. Yeah, the Bills are one-and-a-half-point road favorites in Cincinnati. I love Buffalo in the game. Uh, I have Buffalo rated as the best team in the league. I don't think that's a hot take. Cincinnati is awesome, too. This isn't like an anti-Joe Burrow, anti-Cincinnati Bengals take. Like, the Bengals have to be at least three-point favorites in this game. Like, that's just, like, how this goes. And I'm not guaranteeing that the the Bills are going to win the game. Burrow, of course, is so amazing that, like, like they, they could be losing by 14 in the fourth and Burrow could lead them back to win the game because Burrow's great. Like, that could definitely happen here. I'm not trying to pre- present this as a lock at all. Just that I think Buffalo is like a good amount better than Cincinnati. The Bengals have not been impressive in either of their last two wins against Tampa, who couldn't stop turning the ball over. And then if not for Ramondre Stevenson's fumble inside the 10 in the waning moments of Sunday's game against New England, the Patriots would have come back from 22 down in the second half to beat the Bengals. And the Patriots are not good. You know who is good? Buffalo. Buffalo <laughs> should be a three-point favorite. They're one and a half. Easy bet for me to lay it with the Buffalo Bills. Our guest is You Better You Bet host and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider Nick Costos. We're talking lines and points and games on the score. Tonight on the score, 715, right here, you'll have Thursday Night Football, Cowboys and Tennessee. So I don't know what it's like in your world, Nick, but in my world, the Cowboys are as unreliable as they come. I just don't trust this team. I don't know how that translates to money and lines and points and what you think of them as somebody with uh, an investment to make or not make. 
Yeah, so the situation here with this game, and this matters for fantasy football players because this is the fantasy Super Bowl coming up here in Week 17. The Titans are basically like sitting everybody. They're like punting the game. So Tennessee can lose by 1,000 points tonight, and if they beat the Jaguars in Week 18, they win the AFC South and go to the playoffs. And it's a short week. Derrick Henry is doubtful, probably not going to play. So this game does not matter for the Titans, whereas for the Cowboys, Dallas has to win to keep the pressure on Philadelphia in the uh, in the NFC East, right? They're still alive by virtue of their win over the Eagles on Christmas Eve. So Dallas is a monster favorite in this game. A 12.5-point road favorite to be favored by that many points on the road in the National Football League like is staggering and shows you like the degree to which Tennessee is not going to care about this game. So I think the only way to look is Dallas, but I don't know if I can advocate a bet here because what happens, right, if Dallas is up by 17 at the end of the third quarter, why wouldn't Mike McCarthy pull all his starters? Like Tennessee's not playing anyone. They're not going to come back. It just makes this a really difficult game to handicap. I would just offer a piece of fantasy advice for anyone out there who has Derrick Henry in their fantasy football Super Bowl like Hassan Haskins rookie out of Michigan will be Tennessee's number one running back if you need a running back I would look at him also Tony Pollard may not play in the game didn't practice this week listed as questionable in which case a monster workload coming for Ezekiel Elliott at least until Dallas salts this game away tonight real football fantasy football Nick Costos has all the answers Nick thanks for your time today appreciate it guys wishing you guys and all your great listeners minimal sweats winning bets the absolute very best of luck have a happy New Year and also lay the six and a half with Georgia on Saturday night against Ohio State. There you go. Thanks, Nick. That was the host of You Better You Bet and Odyssey Sports betting insider Nick Costos. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. We are going to check out what Casey Johnson, esteemed journalist, the GOAT, and he was all over my TV, TV star, Casey Johnson, what he thought of the Bulls' wonderful comeback, Grayson Allen's cheap shot, and everything that went on, all that drama. NBC Sports Chicago's Casey Johnson will be here to talk basketball with me, Steve Rosenblum, him, Mark Grody. We're in for Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. What's today? Thursday? Yeah. 